I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want to learn more from me, please check out my website, MikeRinald.com. In addition to all my great articles, videos, and podcast episodes, I have a ton of online CEU courses, as well as my inner circle online mentorship and community. Be sure to subscribe to my free newsletter where I'm always sending you great info and exclusive perks and discounts. Just head to MikeRinald.com to get started. Thanks so much. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we talk about adding movement variability to athletes. The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We are here answering your questions. Anything you guys want to talk about, keep asking away. Go to MikeReynolds.com, click on the podcast <laughs> link so you can keep asking these great questions. We're here for you guys. So I'm joined with Dave Tilly, Lisa Russell, Lenny Macrina, Dewesh Podell, Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto. I feel like I'm going to leave people out now. There's like so many squares and I'd like to try to mix it up sometime. But uh, we are here, our PT strength and conditioning crew at Champion PT and Performance, joined by two of our very special students today. I think, you you know, there's no doubt that you two are definitely the best two students we have right now at Champion. So I just wanted to say yeah. thank you guys for everything that you do for us. Len, Len who's with us today? Uh, we decided to invite them back because they've done such a great job the past couple of weeks. So um, they're just, tr- just tr- tremendous, just tremendous. Uh, we have our student from the University of Delaware, Joe Mid- Midget. Um, he is uh, a former uh, professional baseball player uh, with the Florida Marlins. I just made that up. Um, and we have Ray Stotzer, a PT student from the University of Alabama at Birmingham also known as UAB, who I think currently has the longest home win streak in NCAA football, but I could be wrong. Random fact. What division? One. Really? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know much about UAB other than... I don't think, I don't think Ray does either, but... Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to fact check that. <laughs> what, what, what do you think there now, Ray? What do you think? Was that an accurate statement? Yeah, we'll take it. I mean, uh, we can say it. Ray, mm-hmm. I got a question for you. Dreamland or full moon? 100% dreamland. Uh, is Jim and Nick's not in discussion? Jim and Nick's as well. I'm a full moon kind of guy, but I, actually, no, I, I like Jim and Nick's too. I like their biscuits for those that live near Birmingham. Is this crazy to say Jim and Nick's meat, dreamland sauce, and full moon cookies for dessert? Ooh, the cookies. Yes. <laughs> those, are, those are good. Those are good. Full, that full, was good. full moon Friday. We should go full moon Friday for lunch. All right. <laughs> Three of us are going to take this offline afterwards, but yeah, we're going to keep talking. going. Ray, what do we got for a question today? Yeah, we have Zach from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. For athletes that are very repetitive as far as the motions and movements they do for their sport, how do you balance training those specific movements during rehab slash strength and conditioning versus giving them some form of movement variability? How would this differ in season versus out of season? Thanks. 
I like that. Great question, Zach. Um, you know, especially if you're not uh, comfortable or super experienced with working with people like through the spectrum of care. So like through the spectrum of like, like injury and strength and conditioning and, and, and stuff like that. Like, you know, oftentimes in the physical therapy and the injury world, we're really just focused on, you know, the symptoms and some of the findings on their examination that we have. And we're really like kind of working on those things. Um, you know, and then all the way from the sports perspective, it's all skill, 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 right? And then strength and conditioning hopefully bridges that gap to an extent. So I think that's, that's, that's a really good question. So um, why, don't, why don't we start with this? Maybe, you know, and maybe we can give some examples. I know like, like Dewesh can probably give some good examples of what we do, like with our off-season training with baseball, you know, maybe even like, like uh, Dave and Lisa can talk about maybe some of the, the concepts that they see with their sports, you know, um, you know, Dave, obviously with gymnastics and then Lisa, probably one of the most repetitive sports that we probably work with right so i think that would be kind of curious i'd love to hear some of lisa's thoughts on that but why don't we start with you duesh like when somebody's coming to you in the off season right they just finished like let's just say baseball just for the heck of it if you don't mind they just finished the baseball season they're a baseball pitcher you know how does how does movement variability and getting them in and out of those patterns when when they come to you and just say like no i what i want to do is this motion better right how do how do we tackle that what do we do yeah, so the way that I look at it, I, I kind of break down what their sport typically does as far as the planes of motions and the types of motions, right? So baseball, obviously, very much a transverse plane rotational type athlete, right? So what I want to give them a lot of early in the off season, right, is I want to get them out of being super heavy on rotation, right, as far as volume goes. So I'll give them a lot more sagittal plane stuff to begin with, right? Bring back, bring back that movement variability. They have been doing a lot of sagittal plane stuff more than likely. You know, so we, we stick to some of our basic stuff for, for strength conditioning. So it'll be sagittal plane work with lunges, squats, deadlifts, um, even some of our power production work, right? We might do more vertical power work, horizontal power work, um, and not necessarily crush them with volumes of our, our rotational power drills and stuff like that, you know? But then obviously you got to keep in mind that as, as we, you know, do progress back in towards getting them ready for their next season, that movement variability actually has to go back down. Right? We can't be too variable as we're getting towards the season. We got to actually get them ready for the specific demand um, of their sport. I like that. So early in the off season, we encourage movement variability because they've had so much. Uh, what's the opposite of variability? Invariability. Specificity. They've had so much specificity of movement that we actually want to get them away from that, let that body heal up a little bit, maybe get some more balance, like kind of get them feeling a bit better. But I think that's great. Some people take that too far, right? And they do like too functional and bilateral and everything, like contralateral, like training all season. And I think sometimes they then miss the boat on performance right? Because they're too worried about balance, right? When, especially when you're an asymmetrical type sport, right? So I think that's good. Um, one other question for you, Dewey, as we get closer to the season, let's talk rotation in a baseball player, for example, as we get closer to the season and now they start working with their skill coaches, maybe they're throwing, maybe even they're hitting, maybe it's a fielder or something like that. And they're starting to add more repetitions with rotation into their skill work. What do you do in the gym to counteract that increase in the specificity of their movements? Yeah, so again, so we don't want to hammer the same exact qualities, right? So the way that we kind of um, do our programming is, so again, let's let's use the baseball pitcher as an example, right? So pitching is very much like max effort, like load the hips, right? Uncoil through the torso, release of the arm, right? So that's like a single max effort kind of throw, 
So in the gym, you know, if we do want to continue working in the rotational plane, right, we'll switch it up and give them something that they wouldn't typically get in baseball, which might be a little bit more rotational plyo type work, right? So where they're not going max effort, they're still working rotation, but now it's a little bit more about the, the short amortization phase and we're getting in and out of rotation, right? So again, it's providing a little bit more variability than the very specific task thrown a baseball, but it's not so far on the other end of the spectrum that we're only doing like, um, like sagittal plane work, you know? So there's always like that full spectrum that we look at instead of just living on either one end of the spectrum or the other, we kind of live somewhere right in the middle, depending on what they need a little bit more of or what they will benefit a little bit more with. I like that. As we get closer to the season and they're doing more, let's just say like hitting and throwing rotational, do you decrease your volume of stuff like med ball throws like that are in that, that, that fashion? So that way we're not just like layering on too much. Yeah, exactly. So our, our super aggressive net ball, like shot put scoop toss variations will go down a little bit because they're doing exactly that if they're swinging or if they're throwing, you know, I like that. So in the off season, you kind of see it's like a, a, it's a progression into those techniques and then almost like Mm -hmm. a progression out of those techniques as their skill work comes down. I like that. That's great. Uh, Dave, anything like, so, you know, obviously with the gymnastics world, you deal with a sport that has some very specific movements. They're a little bit more diverse maybe than some of ours, but I don't know any thoughts on this uh, question from your perspective perspective yeah i think the really good example to use here is kind of squ- uh, squatting and impact volume because that's huge in gymnastics that's w- the injury most correlated with lower body injuries is, is impact forces in gymnastics but obviously there's a lot of other people out there like basketball and volleyball who have those forces so and it's interesting because dewey and i are starting to work a lot more actually on giving lectures to some of the national coaches on like you know long-term athletic development models and this is like a perfect example so like for example it's really good for them to come out of their season and take a break from squatting volume, right? Like, because typically they have like patellar femoral issues. They have some low back stuff and like, it's just so much impact and so much force. It's up to like 15 times their body weight, thousands of times per week. So we try to pull them away from that specificity, but we do want to try to use that like three month block to develop their capacity for down the road. So maybe we use like split pelvis patterns or step ups or hinge variations that are a little bit more joint friendly on the things they've been using over and over. But we also might do some like specific glute accessory work for like, you know, side plane clamshells and things of that nature. Cause we know down the road, those are important for squatting impact volume, but also like impact is really important too, because we want to take them away from the impact forces. But we know from like Jill Cook's research and Kyle Docking's research that we want to maintain some of the integrity of like the Achilles and stuff like that. So like seated calf raises and and tiptoe walks and doing like some low level plyos, we know they're going to be important down the road. So it's not like we're doing gymnastics, squatting and impact volume, but we're going to set the stage for it down the road. And then kind of what we've been doing a lot more, especially with like a lot of the college NCAA athletes, we know like Achilles tears and and knee issues are huge in that population. So we've been trying to use Joe Cook's research to maintain slowly ramping up over six weeks of like their last August before they go back to preseason to get their impact volume up with plyos or build up their squatting patterns. And we're finding after like three or four years now of doing this, that kind of giving them an on-ramp to go back up to their college preseason is really, really important. And they feel really good because unfortunately what happens is they don't have any impact or squatting volume in their conditioning program. They go back to the gym and they start tumbling and doing landing and it blows them up and they have a lot of really uh, problematic issues in preseason. So I think that's in gymnastics, but that's probably very uh, you know valuable for a lot of other sports. 
That's awesome too. So, you know, Dewey mentioned in the sport like baseball, it's more, it's like the repetitions that we're, you know, we're focused on. So the uh, extreme repetitions, Dave brings up another great point. It's also about impact, right? And loading somebody like, so if you're a basketball player and you get to the off season and you go, you go to your strength and conditioning facility. And the first thing they want you doing is like plyo jumps and stuff like that. Like that tells me they don't like get that point, right? Like they, you just, you just jumped on, on, on wooden floor, right. For, you know, several months, like your knees are, your, your, ankles, everything's taking a beating. You need to get some variability away from repetitions. You need to get some variability away from loading. You need some variability to, to get rid of lots of things. So Lisa, from your perspective, so Dewey kind of talked about repetitions. Dave kind of talked about loading. From you, how do you get movement variability in probably one of the most specific repetitive things where you literally just kind of just do the same thing over and over again? What do you do for <laughs> movement variability in rowers? Um. Yeah, it's probably the most repetitive sport there is. I don't really, couldn't really that think running, of another one. Right? <laughs> that running. That running. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's a good point. Yeah, I guess run. But you know, at yeah. least running's like, you know, yeah. like no, reciprocal to an extent. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like over yeah. and over again. Yeah, bummer. And the the other kind of interesting piece I was thinking about while everybody else was talking, um, like there, rowing doesn't really have an off season. So you come in new england anyway you come off the water around you know late fall early winter and then you're just on a rowing machine indoors so your repetitive pattern never goes away and it, if anything it gets worse because your load usually increases when you go indoors and people don't always account for that because the ergs are heavier than the water usually it, and so it's just right. like you're literally hammering repetitive on repetitive on repetitive all right. Okay. Let me ask you a question from there. Why? Because no other sport, you don't end your basketball season and then go play more basketball. I mean, I, I think it's partly cultural. I think, you know, that's, that's a big piece of it, but I, I mean, I guess you think like a runner, right? Runners don't tend to take a break from running. They usually keep running. So like in cycle, you know, I feel like endurance sports is kind of similar, right? Like, like long distance cyclists don't tend to like get off the bike for like a month or, or even a couple of weeks. I mean, coaches will build like a week or two deload where they don't let the rowers touch an erg or the water, but it's a week or two out of like 12 months. Right. Um, right. yeah. And the other, um, kind of scary piece when you talk like repetitive rowing, usually a lot of coach design training, like strength training programs are also incredibly high repetition, really repetitive movements in the gym. So you add super repetitive on the water and then you add, I'm talking like four by 40 or like, you know, just like timed, like get as many reps in as possible for like an entire hour circuit. Like it's like hundreds and hundreds of reps of, and that's what people think they need. That's what people think they need to do. And it doesn't, and a lot of times it's the same movements as rowing. It's squatting. It's, you know, like a bench pull. It's, so with, within the culture of rowing, there is not like an understanding of needing variability. So I feel like that's where I've started to see a lot more masters rowers who come in with, you know, like knee pain or hip pain or this or that. And like, it's because their body just knows how to go this way and that's all they know how to do, <laughs> right? you know? And, um, so I think, you know, the wonderful thing when they especially start like strength training with us is, you know, they finally get, you know, like rotational movements and like lateral movements and just like start to introduce their body to like all these other pieces. Um, and what I've seen like most success in is maintaining those like variety of movements during a season and not dropping them away because you have such heavy repetitive 
forces through like all of your joints, right? The giving like any amount of rotation, even if it's just like rotation with breath or like something simple, right? Um, like, is it hugely like injury preventative and just like makes everybody's bodies feel better? And, you know, otherwise rowers are like tight and can't really do much, but literally move back and forth. <laughs> but, but they're um, really good at that one movement. Really, hopefully, right? <laughs> hopefully really good at it. So I feel like, you know, I, from at least what we've talked about, rowing is a, a little bit different in that because the sport currently doesn't really have a major off season, you, you don't get the time to like introduce these movements during the off season and then fade them away and then kind of bring them back. I think keeping the variety of movements throughout like an entire year for a rower t- seems to be more successful and helpful. Um, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's great advice too. For Like you said too, for runners and cyclists and stuff like that, the importance of that. I know that's something that I know Duesh has talked about with runners and stuff too, but um, I like it. And then I would just add briefly, like just from the non-athletic population, talk about somebody sitting at their desk all day in this this posture all the time. We always kind of say with postural adaptation type things that sometimes just resetting it. So we kind of call it reverse posturing is just enough. And you don't have to necessarily like, so Lisa, a good example is a rower. You don't have to go in there and like try to max out your bench press just because you have such a good row. Right. But it's what, what you need to do is you need to tell your body that you still want to be able to do that at some point in time. Right. So, so when we talk about reverse posturing with a lot of our things, it's about doing the opposite. So that way your brain doesn't get stuck. Your body doesn't get stuck thinking of that one pattern. So if I'm sitting all day at my desk like this, if I just do some reverse posturing type things to kind of get my shoulders down and back to get like my neck in more neutral position or something like that, you don't have to do that all day. You don't have to like sit at your desk like this. This is very fictitious. That's not posture, but you just have to tell your body that, Hey, I still want this variability in my movement. And believe it or not, that tends to click. So the more you sit like this all day, the more that you probably just need to just assure that you're frequently reversing your posture. And then I think that kind of tells your brain and your body enough. So awesome. Great question. Thanks so much. If you got more like that, head to the website, micronal.com, click on the podcast link and be sure to rate and review us on your podcast flavor of choice. We'll call it that today. And uh, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReynolds.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.